what makes America the greatest country in the world. Soldiers, sailors, Marines, airmen. Stood up for what was right. First step in solving any problem is recognizing there is one. It's time to start a trip. Dream isn't something we talk about. All we can ever do for our heroes is remember them. And they gave up two lives. The one they were living in and the one they would have lived. They gave up everything for our country, for us. Let's pray for freedom and justice. Only be a war if soldiers are willing to fight. Less than 1% of Americans serving in uniform. Some veterans not getting the timely care that they need. The good news is, is that in recent years, we've made historic investments to boost the VA budget. What is it? Why should we care? We should care about press freedom because... Because we were informed. In democratic societies, free, diverse, and pluralist media enable public debates and are essential checks you don't on look power. Status. Let's discuss. Welcome back. Same day. Uh, we're going to talk about VA Form 21-526-EZ. Um, if it's your first time listening, then thanks for coming. This podcast is produced every week as a short reminder. Vet to Vet is a nonprofit educational project dedicated to assist veterans with adjustment to civilian lifestyle and to provide assistance in obtaining your VA and other available benefits that you have earned. And now let's get into the show. So today's topic. <clears throat> We're talking about the actual form, the 21-526EZ to go for service connection disability. Yeah, so as you know, all claims for the benefits begin with an application. Um, unless there are very unusual circumstances, a claimant should be, or you, should use the form that VA specifies for the benefit desired. <clears throat> as with all VA forms, you should read the form instructions uh, carefully and get help if you are unsure of what is required. So today we're going to just... Uh, give you general information about this form and gonna walk through uh, most of the fields that you would find on this form. <clears throat> so, and starting March of 2015, VA introduced a new process known as Intent to File using VA Form 21-0966. Um, it's gonna be just a short, uh, um, just a short, um, Introduction into this form. Yeah, the um, the twenty one dash oh nine sixty six is literally your intent to file a disability claim. Once you submit that to the VA, the day the VA receives that that request, you have a year from that date to actually submit your twenty one dash five two six EZ for your disability. Also, the twenty one dash five two seven EZ and the DIC widows benefits, but we're really more focused on the 21526EZ right now. Yeah, but um, one thing, why would you want to file that 21-0166? The reason you file an intent to file is because most of us don't have our records. And so sometimes you want to file a claim, but you don't have everything on you. And because the VA can, has that, or has that potential to move slow in deciding your case in the yes or the no, if you have all your records, and it, get, it helps the VA make a decision that much faster. So sometimes you need to order your military records. Sometimes you still need to get a current diagnosis. And so you file that intent to give you a little bit more time to save that back pay date. Yeah. So an easy explanation, back pay date. 
So um, let's say uh, even if you're not you're unsure if you're gonna file for this or that condition, um, by filing that form intent to file, you preserve that date that when you file. That means that uh, you if you get your benefits, um, certain percentage is gonna go back to that date when you filed intent to file that form via uh VA form twenty one dash zero nine sixty six. Yeah. That the whole thing. The only thing that you need to know actually. Yeah. And always save a copy for yourself. So when you submit that form to the VA, make sure you have a copy to yourself so you remember when you submitted it. So um let's say um I filed VA form twenty one dash zero nine sixty six six months ago and uh, six months uh, down the road I got all my documents my data is preserved and uh, right now I'm uh, filling up uh, VA form 21-526 easy knowing that even though that the date is going to be different on this form I still preserved my uh, date that I, when I filed when I filed intent to file yeah. form um, also, filling a complete application is important to avoid delays in processing uh, claims. So, VA is not required to take action on a claim until a substantially complete application has been filled. Um, in addition, it takes considerable time for VA to review an application, notify a claimant of problems, and review the information received to correct the problems. So, you're not fighting VA, uh, and they're not working against you, just help them to establish what actually you earned or what you entitled to yeah that the whole thing um so when you submit that form to va it's best to include all available information and since this form is pretty much explanatory even though we're gonna go through it uh just provide everything that you have and uh like before going into details of the form um a complete claim besides this form should what what should it include, Joe? Right off the bat, you want to have a copy of your DD two fourteen to show your that you're a veteran. Two, any military medical records or military documents you have that you think are supporting what you're claiming. Three, mm -hmm. current medical records, any and anything else currently shown that you still deal with this condition. A lot of times you're using uh, disability question uh, di disability um, benefits questionnaire forms that are filled out by VA doctors but if you don't go to the VA for medical a lot of the outside doctors are unaware of these forms so you could just stick with your current diagnosed medical records if you don't go to the VA and now uh, I know that there are multiple ways you can uh, file this form but can you yeah, elaborate so, on that? Um, there's certainly a few ways you can do it one, I think the better and the best way for the most part is talking to a VSO or a veteran service officer from any of the groups, whether it's DAV, Purple Heart, the county that you're in, state and state reps, but at least somebody that knows how to deal with the VA. If not, you could use an accredited VA attorney. If they're not accredited, don't touch them, but make sure they're accredited VA attorney if you want to use an attorney. And uh, also... Uh... VA caps attorney fees at 20% of claim and 25% uh, of claim for malpractice claims. So it's not as bad. Yeah. Uh, side note on that, 
Attorneys can't charge you for the initial claim. They could charge you for appeals and notice of disagreements, but they shouldn't charge you for the initial disability claim. So if they try to charge you on that, you could question that. Right. Uh, you could absolutely do it yourself. You can go on e-benefits, which is where the VA is really trying to push people right now is on the online thing. It's a little confusing for me personally, and I like having paper forms still because at least there's something in your hand. Or you could, uh, if you live close to a VA regional office, like we have one here in Los Angeles, San Diego, Oakland, if you Sacramento, if you live near a VA regional office, you could easily walk in there. It's not a problem. Tell them that you're a veteran. Tell them you're trying to file. They have people there. They'll help you. And it's right then and there. So then the, you know that the VA received your claim. Can you do it by phone? I think you could do an intent to file on the phone. But unless it's written and they have your signature, I would question if it's iffy or not. Because you could call the VA and tell them that you want to file a claim. But <laughs> unless they put it up on their system, I kind of doubt that would be legitimate. Um, if somebody I, did it, just let us know and tell us how long did it take. Yeah, but I'd be careful with that because there's not a lot of proof that you actually did anything. Uh, so when it comes to the 21-526EZ, what you're trying to show is uh, your completed form. You want to complete this form as best as you can. And so... If, if we go through the form, we go through numbers, numbers, not a problem. The first step, of course, is your name. Last name, yep. first name, middle initial. You should be able to spell that. The second part is your social security number. And block three, you're talking your birthday with your month, day, and year. Seven, oh, um, block four is your, is your sex, male or female. There isn't a other box yet. Uh, I bet that will happen though. Uh, number five, you have you ever filed a claim with the VA? That's yes or no. If you have, look at your old VA letters and check on what your VA file number is for number six. For the vast majority of us, it's going to be your social security number. Yeah, I know. Probably like if you filed for while on active duty, you had a VA loan. Probably you already have some kind of number from VA. Yeah, more than likely it's your it's your social. If you're an older vet, say like somewhere in the like early 70s back, more than likely it might be your your um, serial number. But most of the time, you stick with your social and you'll be all right. If you don't know it, don't worry about it. You can leave it blank. Yeah, just put in number six. I cannot remember. Yeah. I don't know. You can put NA. It's not yeah. a problem. Uh, 7A, your current ma mailing address. How can So the VA could get in contact with you when they need more evidence or they need you to go to an outside doctor for the exam. Uh, 7B is a forwarding address in case you use a PO box. Something and, uh, like that. Also, you should know that uh, VA does not monitor, monitor uh, your change of address that you can do online through U.S. Postal Service. So just in case if you move a lot, make sure that you submit a proper form of your change of address after you file the form. Absolutely. Make sure the VA knows where you're at, and especially the benefit side, because the benefits and the medical side doesn't talk to each other. So just because you tell your doctor your address changed, the VA benefits that's dealing with your disability claim doesn't know that. Mm -hmm. So 
give them a call at the 1-800-827-1000 number. I know it's hard to get through, but keep at it and you'll get through and tell them that you moved and you want your address updated in your claim. And you could also use a 21-4138, which is basically the VA style of a blank sheet of paper. And just write in there basically, this is pertaining to my ongoing claim filed on this date. My new address is this. Please forward all mail pertaining to this uh, disability claim to this new address. Oh yeah, so. Uh, things like that, but that's definitely make sure the VA knows where you're at, that they got your phone number, that they got your address, because if you miss an appointment or you miss a, a letter in the mail, it can absolutely slow things down. Yeah, and the uh, phone number is important because more like most likely if there is an issue, they're going to call you. But if you got an email address and uh, as myself, rely on email most then most most of the time uh, compared yeah. to your phone number, don't because most likely they're going to call you. They're not going to email you. Yeah, and that's the problem I have too is I'm more towards email than phones. But I'm pretty sure it's going to change. Yeah, eventually that will kick in. It's still somewhat brand new with the benefits, but it's getting better. Yeah. Uh, so block 7C is your phone number, and you could always put in another phone number, say your wife, your girlfriend, somebody else in your family that is responsible enough to call you and say that they received a phone call. 8A is where you're going to put your email address. And you can put an, an alternate email address also, I haven't seen the VA actually email anybody yet about their disability claim. It's there for a reason, so eventually they will use it. Yeah, pretty sure they will. But for now, don't lean on that too hard, but you could always put it there to be safe for the future. Number nine, probably one of the most complicated section of the entire form. Yeah, and this is the most important part because this is the conditions that you're claiming. And so on number nine you have about 30 different rows of disabilities that you're claiming you don't have to write anything too wild if you're not sure about what's going on with your knee you could put left knee condition yeah if you know you tore your knee then you could write you know meniscus tear um or any other condition that that it happens to be don't put a narrative yeah but the you know yeah you don't need to write a story on how it happened or when it happened just write you know knee problem back problem Something like that. But you want to be a little more specific. So if it's your left knee, say left knee. If it's your lower back, say lower back. If it's your upper back, say upper back. If it's your foot, say right foot. But be specific with it. If you save enough, you can use CFR, cellular CFR, and find your condition. Yeah, definitely. And then look it up because the CFR doesn't have every single condition. And more than likely, you can't really claim every single condition. Vertigo is one of those harder ones, but you could push a Legionnaire's disease, which is similar to vertigo. Uh, but what you're trying to do there is just write what you're going for. Common things, most Iraqi Afghan vets usually are talking about 12 different disability items, where say like the older vets might be pushing eight to five disability items on average, but you could go up to as many disabilities you have depending on what your background is. What should I do if I, got, if I have a secondary condition? So just to be safe, what I use, I use the three separate columns for myself personally when I'm filing claims. So the first one I'll put direct service connection, and then you'll put left knee due to service, lower back due to service, headaches due to service, something like that. And so they just have an idea that you're claiming this as a directly due to your service. 
if it's something other than your directly due to your service, then you could claim, say, like your right knee due to left knee, lower back due to left knee, uh, depression due to hearing loss, things like that. So you could show that these are because of my other conditions and those are secondary. So you could put secondary, um, secondary, and then parentheses, left knee condition due to right knee. Something basic like that. What about presumptive? Um, presumptive conditions, you could basically write it as it is. So if it's a, if it's uh, Agent Orange issue, you don't claim Agent Orange itself, just the conditions that come from it. So you would write diabetes due to Agent Orange or diabetes due to Vietnam service. And then your DD-214 behind it will show that you were in service in Vietnam or in country. So then you could help back that up already. Yeah. Radiation exposure, operation, red wing. Yeah. Things like that. But what you don't have to get too wild into it, but make sure you define what you're saying. So if this is a secondary issue, if it's an aggravated issue, if it's a service-connected issue, make sure you write that in there just so they don't get confused. Keep it simple and make it easy for them so they don't make any errors and you get angry. What is the guidelines of 1151 service connection? Um, 1151, you want to use a separate form, so you don't necessarily want to use the 21526EZ on it. Because um, it's really more of a tort claim than a VA disability claim. You can potentially use this as a starting point, but I would definitely talk to an attorney and use the 1151 as a tort. And then if the VA decides it that they'll pay you as a service connection, you can go it that way, especially if you're trying to go for an upgrade on that disability as it gets worse. But really, I think stick with the 1151 as a as a tort or you might also put it in the parentheses yeah and just yeah at least the I, whole thing. yeah at least you brought it up to yeah. the va's attention at the very least but the tort claims certainly get harder so moving so once we get past with the disabilities and the conditions that you're going for that you're pretty confident in then you want to give them the name and location of the va facilities that you go to so common ones around here would be Sepulveda VA, Long Beach VA, West Los Angeles VA, um, Temple, Oxnard, um, things like that. So whatever VA facility you go to, let them know so they can pull those records for you. If they don't know where you're going, they're never going to figure it out. So just because you went to New York VA and now you live in Seattle, there's no way in hell they're going to know that. So let them know what's going on and where they could find those medical records. Um, right under that, they want to know, did you serve under another name? That's common for a lot of veterans, especially if you got married sometime in service. So if your name changed in service at any point, let them, let them know that. So they're not looking at a different discharge, especially if you have two separate, um, service times or served with two separate branches. Um, then let them know when you entered service. So write in your date, when you entered the branch of service you were with. When you got out, um, were you deployed after uh, September 11, 2001? The place of your separation, so the last base you're at. For me, I was in Fort Bliss, so you'd write Fort Bliss in there because that was the last base I was at before I got out. And so they have an idea where you were at, what, what unit you're with, things like that. 13, you're talking about... Uh, National Guard issues, so if the National Guard was activated for this or that, you could bring that up. 
and the date of the activation. So you could say like um, there was a big earthquake in Alaska in the 60s, maybe early 70s. Um, natural disasters, say like Katrina, things like that where conditions could have happened because you're- I got a question about National Guard and mm -hmm. Reserve uh, Unit veterans. Um, how does VA know how can VA obtain those records from National Guard? Is there, is there um, they should have their records. As um, long as you let them know that you're with the National Guard, they could pull those Guard records. The Guard and the Reserves do have a history of losing records a little more common than active and VA in general. So it gets harder. So especially if you're a Guard or a National or a Reservist, you guys really need to make copies of those medical records no matter as you go along with your service, because there's a good chance a lot of that stuff's going to end up missing. And uh, also, besides that, if you didn't do that on the form, just make, <clears throat> just give uh, as, just be specific as you can as to your location of your National Guard unit and uh, uh, up to the building where you're uh, served or where you're being located. So VA would have, would it would be easier for VA to find actually that place or the if you put a phone number that would be easier for them to locate your records right but it definitely gets harder for the national guard and reserve guys for whatever reason but let them let the va know where you served how to contact these people to try to help you out um once you get past that you're really just talking about were you um a prisoner of war which is not likely for the vast majority of us, thank God. Um, did you receive any kind of separation pay, whether it was uh, military medically retired pay, um, some kind of separation pay because they were getting rid of their numbers, you know, and try to lower lower the um, numbers of um, active troops? And um, also that uh, section three of this form. So failure to provide this information up front does not prevent the VA from discovering it later. Right. So say say you got 30000 for severance pay for uh, getting out of the military early on, on their request, or you're medically, um, medically discharged and they gave you 30000 30, and you turn around and file a disability claim for your knee, and now the VA is only paying you, say, 20%, which is closer to like 250 a month, you're not going to see that money until the VA gets up to that 30000 mark. You're still considered service connected. You're still considered getting paid, but they'll basically consider that thirty thousand dollars as a upfront kind of cost. So you won't see that money until your disability lines up to that thirty grand. Yeah. So we, keep that in mind. Yeah. Pretty much once you are in <coughs> VA system, the DOD uh, will send information regarding your service pay. If you had failed to supply this information upfront, it could mean the temporary withholding of any benefits you're entitled to, or it could result in debt being called against you, in which case you will have to pay the VA through the direct management center. So it's best to provide the information if you know the details. Because with, look at these guys with all computers nowadays. Uh, I don't even know why would they put this form, because they're still going to get it, that information. So I see in future this section might disappear because they're going to pull it out, from the system, but as for now, just treat it as a uh, copy paste from your recent pay into form. Yeah. And after that, you're really talking about your bank account. Uh, 
checking your savings account with your number, the routing number, things like that. You can give them a copy of a voided check if you want. Yeah, so, um, Sometimes vets don't really bring that up until they get a disability percentage. So you don't necessarily have to fill that out right away if you don't want to. I haven't had any problems with anybody breaking into a bank account or anything like that. So I don't think that's much of an issue. But if you happen to be one of those veterans that are kind of shy about things like that and giving up too, informa too much information, you don't necessarily have to bring that up until you get a disability percentage. Yeah, so VA doesn't try checks anymore. So if you don't fill up this information, you will have to apply for debit card for VA to deposit that money into. Yeah, yeah, they're trying to get rid of the paper. Mm. And 100% make sure you sign it at the bottom at 22A. Without your signature, your claim means nothing. So make sure you sign it, make sure you date it on 22B. And after you have everything completed and you feel that you're pretty confident that you have a solid application, then right behind it, what you're putting is your DD-214 to show your service, your military medical records proven that these things happen, and your current medical records showing that these things are still bothering you today. Once you have all that, make, a, make an exact copy of what you're sending to the VA to your, for yourself. So say six months, three months goes down the road and you can't really remember if you gave them this page or that page, then you'll have an exact copy of what you're giving them. So you could look on it and you know you're not giving the VA doubles as you're going along and trying to give them evidence or whatever they may need. Once you, and then make yourself the copy, give the VA the original, for, uh, the original claim, keep, a, keep your original 214, don't give them your original 214, but give them the original 21526EZ. And especially if you're filling it out, don't forget you could, the main idea is to get it to a VA regional office. You could fax it to Janesville, Wisconsin, to the VA regional office there. You could hand deliver it to a VA regional office that's near you. You could have a VA, um, a VSO officer file that claim for you. Or you could have an attorney help you if you need it. Or you could go on to e-benefits if you need to. So there's quite a few ways where you could get around making sure the VA gets it. But the main thing what you're trying to do is make sure that the VA regional office receives your packet. Once they got your packet, then the ball starts rolling. Yeah. Pretty much once the form is signed, uh, the process has begun. So, but don't forget it's only the first part of VA application. If you sign this form and just send this form, it's not enough. Yeah. Remember what Joe said about all the evidence and all the paperwork. Treat it like you're going to court. Anything you're saying, you have to try to prove it in some kind of way or there's a likelihood you're going to get denied. So anything that you're trying to push, give yourself the best possible odds that you can. There, there's no doubt that this guy has a bad knee. There's no doubt this guy has uh, hearing loss. There's no doubt she was in Vietnam. Soldier, what happens to my completed claim application or application after it is submitted to the VA? What's going on afterwards? The first thing will happen is the VA will date stamp it, saying that they've officially received it on this date. Then what they'll do is they'll give it to an initial person who's going to look over the file and see if it's complete. If it is complete, then they're going to take they're going to take it to the next step and send you to an outside doctor to get evaluated. If it's not complete, or if they need more answers or they're not sure about something, 
They're going to send you a letter saying we need more medical records. We need you to clarify what you meant by leg condition or knee condition, if it's your left or right, or both. Most likely they're going to give you one year, right? Yeah, you have about a year to respond to them. If you completely ignore them, they're going to still roll through the process. So if you just ignore the VA thinking they got everything, who cares? There's a good chance you're going to get denied or you might miss something because you're just assuming that you're right, but you may not be. So anytime the VA asks you for something, even if they ask for another copy of your discharge or another copy of your medical record that you already gave them, give it to them again. Keep them happy. And that's another reason why you want to make sure you have copies of your records so in case anything happens, you could give them a, give it to them again and you're good to go. So um, let's assume that I filed and uh, that would be considered substantially complete application, right? So yeah. what happened next? VA will develop my claim? Yeah, the VA will develop the claim. And they'll look it over and they'll say, okay, this is pretty solid. And they're going to send you to an outside doctor. Usually around here they call it uh, QTC or MSLA. Sometimes they'll send you to the VA doctors. But a lot of times the VA doctors are too busy, so they outsource it to other guys. Make sure you go to that doctor's appointment. Try not to reschedule it. Try not to miss it. If you try to reschedule it or miss it, there's a good chance the VA could deny you, no matter what your records say. So make sure you go to this appointment. This is your major thing out of all of it. Once you go to that appointment, they're go it's going to be a random guy who knows nothing about your background, who knows nothing about really what you did. He just knows that you're coming in here for a back problem, and that's it. And so you go in there and you talk about how your back is due to your service and nothing else. And you tell him, this is what I did. I was deployed here. Here's medical records, things like that. He'll have you, you know, do a little test like bins, maybe even x-rays to see the flexibility and the motion of that issue. And then after that, he'll smash what his findings along with yours. And that's when the VA is going to come together and try to figure out where you fall on their rating scale. Once they figure out a rating and they believe that they're pretty solid with that rating, they'll send you a notification letter saying yes or no and where you fall on the, their skills. Right now, that's moving fairly fast right now. I'd say within about three to five months on average, you could see a disability claim go through right now. Um, yes, also we'll give you a little sneak peek on how VA works internally. So, um, all right, Joe, what happens to my completed claims, uh, claim after it is submitted to VA. Can you give me a sneak peek of what happens inside VA? Yeah, so once your claim goes to the VA, what they're trying to do is make sure that it's a complete uh, claim, that there's no questions, no doubts. So if they look at anything and they think that it's a complete claim, they're going to submit it to the next group to make sure that they go on and develop the claim a little bit further. Um, yeah. If the application is not substantially complete or otherwise not acceptable, VA will notify, notify you and uh, give you up to a year to submit all the necessary information. And if an application is not made substantially complete within a year, the application is considered abandoned. But I guess it's still uh, they still uh, consider it as an application, right? Yeah. You have a, po you, you have a potential to argue that because you could claim that could be... Your, your way of an intent to file. It, it makes things harder, for sure, but you have that chance to argue it if you have to. It's worth arguing if you had to. Most likely you can file another claim. Yeah. Um, so when 
a substantially complete application is received, DA will develop the claim. So your file will be submitted to different teams of VA employees. Um, those are called uh, triangle teams. They are not connected with each other and um, they look at your claim and uh, pretty much remove all unsupported claims, all unsupported uh, stuff that doesn't relate to your claim. So claims that pass the triangle teams are delivered to the development or predetermination teams who uh, gather evidence uh, of uh, service records, like service medical records, private treatment records, and any other related information to your claim. Um, so when the claim is deemed sufficiently developed to allow a decision of the claim, the predetermination team forwards the claim to rating team for decision and what they do? And the rating team uses a specialist to figure out where you fall under their rating scales. So they're going to look over all your medical evidence that you submitted. They're going to look over the medical evidence from that outside doctor that they sent you to and look at his findings and push that stuff together and see where you fall under their skills under the CFR. And once they come up with an idea and they say, we think this guy falls under this rating table, then that's when they're going to send you out an award letter or a decision letter stating where you fell in the overall process. Yeah, those rating specialists are trained by VA for this job. They're not medical or legal professionals by education or experience. Most of the time, they're just guys like us and they're looking over a book to see whether or not you fall in their little guidelines. So there's always potential for errors there, and I think that's where you see a lot of veterans complain about the decision or the rating percentage that you got. But keep in mind, you could always push it further if you have to, and it always comes down to what your medical records say. Yeah, so this rating team has the authority to award compensation and set an effective date, which is generally the date uh, the application was received. Um, remember, intent to file that when it comes into play. Yeah, so if you if you filed an intent to file and you submitted that claim within a year of that intent, you'll get a little bit of extra back pay. So that back pay could start from when they received that intent to file. So you could have saved yourself an extra six, eight months, up to 12 months. Yeah, and so payments usually start on the first day of the month following the effective date. Yeah, so as long as you live on the first, you should see that paycheck come through. Yeah, and uh, also the rating team can uh, send uh, your uh, VA file back to the development team for additional development without making a decision. And when this occurs? When that happens, usually what you'll see is uh, they'll call it deferred. So they'll say like your lower back is deferred due to uh, for uh, future medical evaluation or something else that they may need. But if you see deferred, which it's not a yes or a no. It's just they need a little bit more time before they make a decision on this particular condition. Pretty much that VA rating specialist looks at different papers and one paper says one thing about one of the diagnoses and another paper says something else. So pretty much uh, if one paper uh, doesn't agree with another one, uh, those two doctors are not unanimous on uh, uh, one of the conditions that you're claiming that might raise a flag for the trading specialist. Yeah. Um, yeah, guys, that's it. Uh, that's it for, for the claim. Now you're saving enough to file it. Uh, 
I would still strongly suggest you to file it with VSO or attorney or somebody who is uh, more savvy or who did it a couple times at least. Yeah, and always make copies of what you're doing. Save yourself the time and the stress. So just in case anything you ever give the VA, make a copy for yourself. Yeah, so thanks for listening. Come back often. Feel free to subscribe on uh, iTunes, YouTube, Twitter. And Facebook, all links are in the podcast notes. And as always, what can you suggest as a great book, movie, or stuff to do? Uh, I was thinking the X-Men Apocalypse. I think it's a good movie, and I love all those comic book movies. Yeah, great special effects. Yeah. And uh, to end up, uh, call to action quotes or words of wisdom of the day. Here are a few that we've always been fans of and would include on a list of all all-time greats. Under the clouds of war, it is humanity hanging on a cross of iron. Twilight, the Eisenhower. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Bye.